Hi, I'm Ryan, the Hungry Rules Guy. I'm Ben, the Cat-Powered Player. I'm Helen, the Amorphous Storyteller. I'm Jared, the Shifty Game Master. Together, we are the Starting Equipment Podcast. Tonight, we are going to be talking about how to get your players involved. The problem. We've all been in games where one player frequently me hasn't been as invested in the game as everyone else and frankly it's not fun it it sucks and so we're gonna talk today about why that happens and how to fix it as the gm i want to to put this right out there before we go any further this is not just a gm problem gms should try to be aware of how their players are doing and try and manage it as much as they can, but it is on the players to bring up when they aren't having fun, or even if they are having fun but are just feeling disconnected, that's something you need to tell your GMs. We're, we're looking for this stuff, but we can't see inside your brain. And also try and do some analysis on your end as the player. Uh, if I go as a player to Jared and just tell him, I'm not really feeling it right now, like, I'm sure that's useful information, but hard to fix. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly prefer you come to me with more than that, but if you haven't figured out what is more than that, then at least coming to me with, I'm not feeling it, I can start asking you questions to try and figure out why. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I am happy to participate in this diagnosis once I know that there's a problem. It's when I think everyone's having a good time and somebody is like, secretly making a grocery list in their head that we have a problem. And sometimes there's absolutely nothing that either the GM or any of the other players can do. Uh, and you just need to figure out how to mitigate it so that, you know, it, you can get what fun you can out of the game and everybody else can also get what they need out of the game. Right. Sometimes Steph Curry misses seven threes in a row. Doesn't happen often, but when he does, the Warriors still win sometimes. If you have a long-standing game, everyone is going to have off nights. This is not... It is totally okay to, as a GM, tell your players, or as players tell your GM, like, I'm excited, I'm happy to be here, but I'm having an off night. If I get distracted and you need to remind me to, to get back with a game, great. Like, that's an okay thing to say. I mean, legitimately, yesterday I texted Jared and was like, Hey, uh, I've had a lot going on recently. I'm probably going to be a little out of it. And because he did that ahead of time, I made sure that every moment that was really important for Ben's character, I gave him a heads up a couple minutes ahead of time to make sure he was in it, right? And this is helped by, you know, see previous comments know the people that you're playing with and in preferably like them and trust them and you know help each other whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> we can trust the people we play games you with you should be That's able to talk. if you can't you shouldn't play games with them period <laughs> end of whoa. statement Whoa, whoa, looking after our mental well-being and our hobbies, that's just wild talk. Yes, and looking after your friends, too. Oh man, this is starting to sound a lot like work. What kind of European socialist are you over there, ma'am? <laughs> okay, so... Is this a Nordic-style friendship? <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> okay. So the signs. Sometimes it's pretty clear when someone isn't involved. 
usually become a, usually you can tell because they just aren't as active. You know, if a player who usually likes to lead the conversation in social situations is suddenly not saying anything in a social situation, you should probably check in with them. And to be clear, we've all been distracted by other things uh, at the table. I know I have certainly gotten lost on my phone or on the computer, and especially right now when a lot of people are playing online, this is super easy to do. And, and not just as super easy to do, you should know, like, it's going to happen. Oh, the number of times my mom has texted me and wanted to talk at length via text over something in the middle of game is just absolutely amazing. No one expects you to maintain complete attention for, like, the four hours you're playing a game, right? That's not realistic. Even for your GM, who is probably very invested in telling this story, that's just not realistic. Where it gets annoying and problematic is when it becomes a habit to, like, be on your phone or computer. So everyone has different tolerances for how much... How much of your attention that they want you to have in the game. But at the end of the day, the GM, who's hopefully your friend, has spent time and effort to set up and to run the game. You should give them at least, you owe them uh, some attention. They're doing this for your entertainment. And theirs, but they're investing a lot of effort into it. The type of people who become chronic GMs, like there are some people who are GMs because like, we want to have a game and no one else wants to GM. And then there are the people who are like, no, I really like GMing. And for that second group, which I think is the majority of GMs, a lot of our fun is how much fun other people have playing the, the story we set up. So if, if you're distracting the rest of the table by playing on your phone, it feels pretty disrespectful, right? If you're a little unfocused and it's not distracting everyone else and everyone else is having a great time, I'm pretty tolerant of that. I don't really care about that. But, like, when it's pulling other people out of the game, that hurts. Like, that sucks. And I think something that we have to also remind ourselves, too, is not only has this person worked on it, but it depends wildly on the group that you're going with, like Ryan was saying. You know, we're all working adults who have our attentions drawn in a lot of different ways. If you're, if you're high schoolers or retirees, like you may have more focus to give and thus a more intricate tale may be, may be required or, or of interest. I don't know if any of that made sense. I don't think so. Let's move on. It's a sort of corollary to this. Um, I've seen plenty of players who are pretty ambivalent about what to do in a game. Uh, they're more than happy to go along with the plot, but they're just not proactive. They don't really want to start any personal plots, or go off on a tangent, or do things like just tell the GM, like, yeah, I want to go uh, start a bar with my winnings, um, and like have something on the side. They're just not interested in, the, in that. And, you know, that... That's their gaming experience, so they, don't, so they don't have to do stuff like that if they don't want to. But as I was running the game for them, I, I kind of felt like they were just sort of playing to go along, and they weren't really having fun. I, I guess my add-on to that is, 
if you find when you're playing these games that you that you don't want to direct plot you you don't really want to forge ahead that way that's a little more than you're than you're prepared to invest you can just be up front with that like make sure your gm knows that your plan is to get on the bus and ride along because we have something for that those are modules they don't necessarily have to spend all the time building an intricate sandbox if it turns out that you know most of their players just kind of want to go through a pre-planned module and you know then you can toss some personal plot in for anybody who who wants a little more but that that open communication is one of the things that session zero is for and you know if you find yourself in a situation where you know as a gm you're looking for more from your players than your players are prepared to give or as a player you're you know you're not feeling like you're feeling like your your gm is asking you know more of you than you're interested in investing then that's a session zero communication issue and i recommend that if what's what's most important is that you're all on board if you're not i recommend you look for alternate ways to spend your game night it's as simple as that and you can always revisit that if you are like, yeah, I would love this open world style game and then you get into it and it's just not clicking with the group. You can always, you know, you can say, hey, can we revisit that or, you know, talk to your GM and come to some sort of conclusion because they've probably noticed. They're probably just as frustrated. There's probably more frustrated than you are, really. Yeah. Because they... they created this entire world for you uh so like i've i've been the storyteller who put together a whole sandbox with the plot threads and the political landscape and the you know the goal being that it would be kind of directed by pc choices um i i, I did the hooks i did the work in backstories and i ended up with we, we ran into that communication issue where there was a lot of sitting at the metaphorical bus stop waiting for the pot bus. And, you know, that's as much on me as it is on them. But we didn't have a session zero. We didn't have an opportunity to hammer that out. And yeah, we didn't have a session zero. We didn't hammer that out ahead of time. Um, and, you know, if I'd known that, I would have run the game differently, and when I eventually figured out what the problem was, I, I stepped down running the game because, you know, it, it was becoming clear that what what I wanted to do wasn't going to click with the group, and so the best choice was just to stop. So I think a lot of this is about group expectation and like making sure you're all on the same page, but I, I will add one extra wrinkle we haven't talked about. There are certain games where it is more fun and more, I guess, easier to just, on both sides of, of the table, be on the plot bus. And then there are other games where you really need to have people invested in making choices and figuring things out in order for it to work. I mean, I... I... I think D&D is obviously the easiest plot bust one. And then, of course, you know, Hunter would be one that you kind of need some input. Yeah, I mean, like, if you, you can't do an... Inve- Hunter, at least the way we play it. You could totally do 
Hunter the plot busting. But yeah. like we run an investigative game. You can't have an investigative like a heavy investigation game without people wanting to make choices and drive. I mean, if you ran a vampire game, for instance, where everyone decides they want to wait for the plot bus looks very different than a vampire game in which people are making their own political choices and taking their own political actions and doing the things that political vampires do. And that doesn't mean that one of those things is inherently better than one another than the other. It's just those are different games. And if you go in wanting to play Kate Beckinsale's character from Underworld, then you're going to have a different time than someone who went in wanting to play one of the people lounging on the divan in the background as Kate Beckinsale's character <laughs> walked by in Underworld. Like, you're not playing the same game necessarily. You can make it work, but you're not playing the same game. So we have seamlessly transitioned to causes of a lack of involvement. And what we're talking about here is, is just different game structure. Before we move entirely away from like the problem itself and get to causes. There's there's one more reason that this can happen that we haven't talked about, like one more sign. Sometimes players don't want to speak up because they feel like it's the GM's game and they're just a part of it and it's not their game too. And as the GM, for the love of God, when that happens to you, talk up. Tell me. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And another pro tip, if you speak up and express to the GM that you're not having fun or something isn't working for you and they blow you off, that should tell you something about what's going to happen next in the game. Yes, you're going to leave the game and find a better game. Preferably you're going to leave the game. Yeah, if right. you ever bring up a problem and everyone at the table is like, whatever, your problem doesn't matter... All of a sudden, you've got a much bigger problem, <laughs> right? Ryan, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were doing a great shift to causes, and I think you should take it away. I just wanted to say that last bit. No, that's that's an important bit. Many times in this podcast, we end up sounding like a marriage counselor because it's all about communication. But really, though... <laughs> Well, yeah, we say it because it's true. It's... Um, Don't forget defined expectations. <laughs> we'll begin with I statements. But yes, defining expectations. The particular issue we had there, talking about the game structure, whether you want a more directed game, which is sometimes called a more scaffolded style story, or one where... It is more emergent as the players do things and interact with seeds that you've spread around uh, or a, a signposted style of gameplay. And those are completely up to you, whatever you prefer. And, you know, everyone will at some point probably be in both. If you've ever been in a module for any game system, you've been in a scaffolded style game. <laughs> It's there. This is the story. This is how we're going to get on it. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to go. And a more signpost-style game is what we were talking about before, where you, you make points for the players to interact with. And either way, if you're not expecting that 
kind of gameplay, it can be disappointing. If you were expecting, like, all right, you know, we're going to do this thing, we're going to start with an introductory plot, and the GM doesn't really have one, uh, they're waiting on you to do something, you may be at a loss. But also, if you were expecting a, a much more varied thing, and you have ideas about, like, goals for your character, and like, nope, we're getting on the plot bus, and we're going to go, like, oh, okay. So once again, really, uh, the summary of this entire episode is... You should talk to each other about what you want to do and what you think is fun. We'll talk about that. <laughs> and you should keep talking to each other about what you want to do and what you think is fun over the course of the entire game. That's the most important part. It's the keep talking thing. Like saying it once is important, but those desires can change, right? All right. So other causes for players' lack of involvement. Sometimes... A player is just new to the game, or the group, or gaming in general, and it's a whole new social dynamic to get adjusted to and to kind of get used to. And, and a weird corollary that has come up for me once, even if it's the same group, same game, same player, same everything, if you change where you're playing, that can sometimes make a player feel less comfortable and be quiet. Interesting. Hmm. Also, if they just have a new character, uh, I know for me, it usually takes me a couple sessions for, for me to really, like, find my voice with a new character. And uh, we, we can also probably put out there, the first few sessions of, you know, of a long-running game are, they may well be rocky. That's okay. That's normal. Like, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be be aware of, of how you're feeling, how things are developing and, and keep those things in mind. But every, if you find that you're having a little trouble finding your feet and getting in and getting comfortable, it's possible that everyone else at the table, including the storyteller is experiencing the same thing. So, you, you know, you have a little bit of a grace period as, as you're all adjusting and, and you can probably just expect that. I mean, think about every, great tv show that you love seasons two through four are usually the best one's a little rocky as the actors and the the writers are still figuring out how they work together and how they do their thing and then after season five you know they're just spouting nonsense it takes a little while when you're doing something in a group narrative to figure it out that's okay yeah. I mean, I feel like I hear it when I listen to actual plays of games, too. Like, whenever I start a new actual play, I just kind of breeze through the first few episodes. But by the end of that, everybody starts to click. Um, and if they don't, I stop listening. But, you know, it, you, you got to prepare for that rocky start. Another cause of players checking out, they might be unsure of what to do. Like, what they can do in a situation this happens a lot in mysteries and investigations but can happen in any game where the plot is behind some sort of wall and i think part of this and once again we've all been saying is comes down to communication is prior game experience what people are used to being able to do within the confines of a game if they're mechanically good at bashing down doors can they think of a solution to the puzzle yeah i think that that's a really good point 
one of the reasons that players can be unsure of what to do is is they're in a situation they're not used to. And another one is, and this is on our list, and this is me all over, sometimes the Jared, I mean, the Game Master, stalls the plot for something, not presenting any clues at the moment so they can build up the tension for later and just trying to play up the emotion of the moment without moving the plot forward. And some of this is really, really good, but if you overdo it, cough, cough, like I do all the time, cough, cough, it can cause your players some frustration or some disconnect as they don't know what to do. Now, this this comes with experience because this all just ties back into pacing and understanding pacing. And investigation games are hard. I mean, they're hard for the same reason that you know, we have we have mystery novels, we have mystery TV shows, we have all these, you know, can you can you guess who did it? Uh, and sometimes sometimes, you know, in the course of the show, they don't actually introduce the character who did it until the last 10 minutes of the show. Right. Does that does that feel like you had an opportunity in the course of the show to to figure out the clues yourself and guess? You know, or does that feel like they snuck something in under the wire? It's hard, and you're just going to have to figure it out in the course of running these sorts of games, if, if that's the sort of game that you want to run. And it's okay to make those mistakes. Just be upfront with your players about it, and players, be upfront but kind to your storyteller about it. So the hardest moment like this, particularly in an investigative game, is and this is going to come up if particularly if you've never run one before it's going to come up is when this is for all my gms out there when you as the gm think that you have given a bunch of obvious clues and you think that you've put up a big neon sign behind your head that said information this way and your players aren't getting it that's going to cause either you or them to become disconnected and you really need to just have a conversation about what they're seeing in the room sometimes even out of game like we had a moment where i was like guys i've given you five major plot points and my party was like no you haven't and we needed to like and this was like in the beginning but we needed to figure out where that disconnect was and as soon as we figured out that disconnect we haven't had that problem again in the last like three years and I think that comes to something really important that's easy, at least for me to forget, and probably, I'd guess, for Jared, too. We're video gamers. We're used to playing highly polished AAA games that have thousands of hours of playtesting. Your homebrew, awesome, really creative module is not playtested. That's okay, and that's good. That means sometimes people are going to miss things, and like Jared's saying... Those things may not be as signposted as you think they are. And critically, you have your block of notes in front of you. You know all of the plot points that you just dropped. Over the course of two months, you drop that information to your players in a weekly game. Yep. There's been time. Other things have come up. They have all of the pieces, but they also have a bunch of stuff in between the pieces that are making it more difficult for them to connect. You have your big Pepe Sylvia board with the string. They don't. I do have the big board with the string. You do. We all know. A little history corner here. This is a skill. 
this is a very important skill, even if you're not doing a mystery. How you present the information to players is a, a very crucial skill when you're running a game. And it's a topic that is not debated, but talked about a lot. Because in some of the older editions of Dungeons & Dragons, there wasn't a perception skill. So you couldn't just say, I roll perception, what do I say? Like, no, it didn't work like that. It was all about the GM giving you information and then you asking about for more specific detail on things. And it was very much a player and GM skill in exchange for how you got that information. And a lot of puzzles and traps and things were based around that exchange. And you can you can talk about like how the implementation of having perception skills and how that sort of changed that dynamic. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still a very hard but important skill to master. What do I tell you when you enter the room? What, how much detail do I give you? What does a, what should I give you for a roll? Uh, what if you just ask for it, right? Like, what if you say, oh, I want to roll investigation? Like, okay. But what if you just say, like, uh, you know, I pull out the, the uh, a drawer on the desk and see if it matches up, if there's, like, a secret compartment in there. If there is, do I make you roll for that? Or do I make it easier? Or just like, oh yeah, you find it. Because you specifically asked for the thing that I, I said or I knew was there in my notes. That's something you're going to have to figure out. And it's it's really important that you do. I think we also were going to talk a little more in the future about what you should be prepared for in terms of what if your players absolutely bomb a roll? Or what if your players succeed beyond their wildest imaginations because they rolled? <laughs> and, you know, you kind of have to think about that as well in terms of investigation. What if the thing that you thought that you were going to tell them if they succeeded, well, they all failed. They, did, they could not find the door to get into the room. Like, what do you do at that point? Always fail forward. We'll talk way more about that later, but always have even failure rolls move the plot forward. And if you want to, like, go really down a rabbit hole, and we won't do it right now, but there are other games where they just make the perception skill a vehicle by which players declare elements of the scene and players develop and move the plot forward. We're not going to do that right now. It's just don't think of the perception skill or the idea of a perception skill only in the rigid terms that we find in games wherein giant lizards lurk in enclosed spaces. <laughs> <laughs> that was a slow burn of a joke for me that one i got it right away but that one got funny about 10 seconds later <laughs> nice those good ones so a lot of what we just said can be summarized very simply um, but we do like to hear ourselves talk that's why i made a podcast hey details Yay. are important my man details are important Details are important. The players and the GM have to have the same expectations, or similar expectations. If you don't, that is a recipe for failure, period. Session zero, what, what? Yeah, we're going to have a whole episode where we talk about session zero. But for now, make sure everyone is on the same page about what they expect from the game. A really important corollary to that, if a player is frustrated by the game or uncomfortable with the situation of the group or the room because we are not all on the same page there is no way that they will have a good time they will have a bad time no matter what it will be bad so 
fix it. <laughs> and sort of coming off that, real life happens, and after after the past 18 to 24 months, depending on when you're listening to this, I think you understand that. We all understand that. Yeah. And if real life happens, that's fine. And just check in with your people and let them know that real life happened. I had a health scare recently that turned out to be nothing. Huzzah. But, like, it was a pretty big health scare. And I was stressed out and didn't want to cancel game. I needed game. But, like, I told everyone playing that night that, like, hey, I know I'm the GM, but I'm stressed and out of focus. So if I am not giving you what you need, just stop me and we'll play another night. But I'd like to try and go ahead. And because we set that expectation at the beginning of the night, I think we all still had a lot of fun. Yeah. Right? And, you know, we've all, you know, we're in multiple games together. We do this together. Like, we have, at various points over the last 18 to 24 months, all been in a situation where, you know, maybe it was, hey, guys, uh, I, I can't tonight. I just can't. I'd like I'd still like to talk to other human beings for an hour or two on Discord, but you know, I just can't. I can't do any more than that. And this is another place where knowing the people that you're playing with and being supportive of your friends comes into play. Because sometimes your friends just can't, and that's okay. That's not the death of a game. And sometimes even if your friends want to, Sometimes your friends think they can and cannot. Two big things that happened in our game relatively recently. I, I'm speaking for another player here for one of them. Uh, ben got engaged right before a game. And Ben was like, I'm going to play. But like his giddy, distracted ass was not in a place to play. No. And that's fine. And like we ended up just, we played for like half an hour that night. And then we were like, this isn't productive. Let's just chat. Right. And like, I think that that was genuinely good. And like, I put out my first book a year ago. And right before my book came out, there was a couple days where like, after all day long editing the book, I would come to the to the table and be like, hey, guys, I'm excited to play, but I'm out of words. So if I just say the for five minutes at a time, please be kind. <laughs> right. Like We were just <laughs> talking about how, you know, it's possible to change between something that's more module style and something that's more sandbox style in the course of a game. As long as you all talk about it, that's okay. And if you find yourself in a situation where, yeah, I've built this entire sandbox and you've been working on this, you know, multi-year plot arc, but you know what? I, I can't, you know, remember all of my notes for that right now. So get in the mine cart. We're doing the module for a little while because I'm out of words. That's fine too. <laughs> That's totally what we did. Yep. That's totally what we did. We did a little side quest that was a lot of fun and it was very module-like and I only had to remember one plot line instead of nine and I didn't cry because I was out of words, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> so something else. Very bad traditions here. Something else. Players could be frustrated with their character or their character story. Maybe something happened to the character that changed them, or they feel their character isn't as capable as they're supposed to be, <sighs> which has certainly happened to everyone, especially when they're new to a game. You, you make your your cool character, your cool fighter, uh, and then you're like, oh, I didn't put points into that thing that's super important for 
fighting people. Yeah, I totally didn't forget when building my social character that the expression skill exists. I totally didn't forget that. It's not like I've been playing this system for 10 years and I forgot that. To be fair, that was kind of great. I know it's not what you intended, but it kind of left for a really interesting character. But but when those problems come up, fix them. And GM, secret message, if your player doesn't like their character, help them change it. Whether it be a stat change, a story change, you might have to retcon some stuff. You might not need to retcon some stuff, but just not push any more in a given direction, right? Like, whatever it is. When a character tells you they're frustrated, help them out. I know something I struggle with this, and I think we all do to a certain degree, is you want to maintain the integrity of the fiction. Fun over fiction every time. The story we're building together is great, but if it's not fun, why are we here? Fun over fiction every time. Exactly. And you will build new fiction that everybody enjoys very quickly. Agreed. So, like, yeah, because I know there's been a few times they're like, oh, I want to change my character's attitude this way. And it's like, well, but, you know, we need to have the slow build up. Nah, no, we don't. If it's not a problem, like, if it's just, like, I don't like that my character is whiny, but, like, if my character's whininess isn't ruining the game for anyone, then sure, we can have a slow change. But if you're, like, playing this whiny character is killing my fun, guess what? He's not whiny anymore. Snap your fingers, it's done. Right? Yeah, and that transition can be a lot of fun to play, too. So, like, yeah, just find your fun. So another reason that players can disconnect is that they don't know if the thing that they want to do fits with the campaign. Like, they might have a really cool personal plot that they want to bring into your story but are afraid to take over your story. Or they might feel that another player is dominating the game. If one person hogs the spotlight for too long, it can very get very frustrating very quickly for everyone else session zero isn't just for communication between the players and the gm session zero is also for communication between players and if you find yourself making a character that you know you wanted to play a good person and you get to the table and everyone else's characters are into murder arson and thievery like what are you gonna do like do you re-roll do you sit the game out because that's not what you wanted to play like that's and then sometimes you can be uncertain out of character about how you handle that it's not necessarily anything you've done wrong it's not something necessarily that they've done wrong this is a mutual communications issue and that can lead to consternation and confusion about what to do in the campaign. Uh, speaking of Spotlight, sometimes the party is going to split. It's going to happen eventually, and it, it can cause problems because you're going to leave players sitting around with nothing to do for a little while you have to. And in some situations, you know, obviously in Dungeons & Dragons, when you're in the dungeon, you don't split the party. You don't do that. That's a bad plan. But, you know, if you're playing a very tropey horror game, well, you split the party all the time. Of course you do. That's what you do. You can cover more ground that way, right? It's going to happen. And learning to finesse that situation of like, 
okay, we're gonna jump to you, we're gonna do some stuff with you, all right, well, you're, you're about to do something, we're gonna jump to someone else for pacing, or ask them, like, well, why don't you think about what you wanna do here, I'm gonna jump over here. Trying to, to balance that juggling act of moving between all the players to make sure everyone has something to do, and you're not just sitting with one person for too long. I call it the commercial break skill, Learning when to commercial break one storyline and go to another when the party splits is maybe the most important GM skill. Well, in all fairness, we split the party a lot, so, you know. Yeah, and and this is a, another really important session zero thing. What does your party expect and want out of splitting the party? How often is it going to happen? When is it okay? This is something you should be talking about in session zero. Ben just made a joke because in our Hunter game, seriously like some of it is the characters they play they're all playing very different characters but i have never had a party split more often in any game i've run in my entire life and so making sure that when we split the party everybody has something that they want to be doing and so i can commercial break between every group of players or every player is really important whenever somebody's like i want to split the party i'm like so what does everyone else want to do before i go on this adventure with them and you can use it for dramatic effect you can you can turn it into an element of building building narrative tension like you you, there are excellent things that can be done with a split party so don't be afraid of it just learn how to use it yeah there's a reason that commercial breaks happen at key moments all the time. It is great for building tension. The number of times where they have rolled, succeeded on a roll to learn really important information, and I've been like, okay, let's check in with Ben, and made them wait for a couple minutes to learn the big clue because it's building tension, or making them wait before they see, like, the creature jumps out at you from the darkness, and it's, uh, let's check in with Ben, right? And then you can do the thing where now the party is back together. You can see you can see Gandalf on the cliff with the army. He's arrived in the nick of time. There you go. Use that too. Another reason people can become disengaged is simple habit. If you have been slightly disengaged for a while, it can become a habit. We had that happen in one of our games. This is not to call out Ben at all, but I, Ben and I had a, had a conversation one time where Ben had just been slightly disengaged and it had become a habit. And so he was never fully engaged when we started. And him and I had a talk about why. And we had that check-in. And I was like, hey, are you disengaged? And Ben was like, yeah, but I don't know why, which is why I didn't talk to you about it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, let's figure out why now. And we figured it out, right? And since then, I think it's yeah. been way better. It was super productive. I should have noticed sooner. And Ben should have told me sooner. Yep. Um, right? I like how you said, I don't want to call out Ben before doing that exact thing. <laughs> I mean, we all knew where it was heading. <laughs> well, I didn't mean it as a call out. I meant it as a conversation. Okay, well, moving on. <laughs> solutions. How do you come up with solutions to these problems? Uh, so a lot of them we've already mentioned, which is mainly talk with each other constantly and be put your adult cap on for those conversations and what i mean by that is understand everybody wants to have a good time and do something fun i mean yes it can be an emotional conversation but don't 
let that overwhelm the moment with a lot of extra hurt. Don't let it become a confrontational conversation. Yeah, there we go. So this this next solution piece of advice only works in a sandboxy game, but if you have seated in, everybody has their own storylines and their own plot background, and everyone like there's a lot going on, and we're only exploring part of the story at any one time. Like if you've got this big open sandbox, and somebody is disengaged because of something, and like feels a little lost, you know what? That's the perfect time to do. It's time to engage with their storyline. Give them a moment in the sun. Let them take center stage. And they're going to be more invested. And you don't even have to do it for a whole session. Do it for 10 minutes. It gets to shape the story, the character, in a way they like the better. It gets them more involved. And then you go back to, you know, Gandalf writing down to save us all. I mean, you can even do it in modules, too. If you have, if you have backstories ahead of time, find something. Like, it may be hard. You might have to work a little harder for it. You probably will, depending on how the module is set up. But try to toss something in there. It's possible. A lot of modules do try. And like, hey, if you want a personal connection to things, here are some excellent hooks for you to put into your backstory. Yeah. And honestly, even if you're not doing a module, learning how to write your backstory to provide hooks and for GMs learning how to extract those hooks from your backstory it pays dividends we are used to talking about filler and filler stories in like tv shows and whatever as as being bad and it usually is too much filler no good that's your personal opinion correct (laughs) i I thought it was a pretty (laughs) universally held one but maybe not But using filler storylines when you need to, when people are distracted, when real life is in the way. I know we already talked about one time that we did that with with me, but man, is it helpful. That is a, like, that's a secret pro tip. It's okay to do a filler storyline when life is crazy. It's also okay to just take game night halfway off. And rather than say, play your game or not play game at all, play a one, play Play Goblin Goblin Punks, play one page RPG. Maybe someone else runs it. You know, just have fun. Sort of a a corollary to all of the giving people personal storylines and checking in with them. Making sure that the character concept and the character reality matchup is pretty important. Helen mentioned it. I mentioned a little earlier. You know, the character you first think of and the character that you, you make may not exactly match up. And over time, that's going to be more and more true. Probably. Um, Stuff happens in the story. Your character changes. And just occasionally checking with your your players and making sure, like, how do they feel about this? What, how do they view their character? What do they want for their character? Um, Making sure that your idea of their character matches their idea of their character can be very helpful. For sure. So, last major solution to this is... We've mentioned this before, and we're going to talk about this over and over again in episodes. The character sheet is a contract. The player, when they make a character, is telling you what they want to play. Ryan, I know you have a story about this. Why don't you rock it out? So, I was at a convention a few years ago now, and a game designer was there. He was talking about running games. 
And one of the things he says that he always did is that he considered a character sheet is your contract with your player. Because when they write their character sheet, they are telling you almost literally what they want to do in your game, right? And it is on you, the game master, to read it and give feedback. And, you know, that could be like, hey, this combination of powers is broken, or I don't think it works the way you think it does. Or it could be like, hey, we're playing a high-intrigue political game, and I see you spent all your points on sword dueling. <laughs> I'm not saying I, I can't make duels come up, but I am saying... You shouldn't do this because you're not going to have anything to do for the vast majority of the game. And that that was something that really struck me and stuck with me because it it's true. Like, if, if you make a character, you're challenging what stories you want to play in whichever way that, that goes, right? If, if you're playing like we're doing a very gritty, uh, high combat game and I make a socialite with, with no combat ability, like, well... I've made a choice, but it is it is very much on the GM to recognize that and to use that information, because even if they let my character sheet go into the game, if they just deny me the ability to use stuff that I paid points for, I'm going to feel cheated. And I understand stories happen. There are caveats and a lot of systems have like a meta currency, like, oh, I'll give you a hero point because he's your long lost brother and you're... IRAs don't work on him or whatever. But even still, if you don't have something like that, like, well, but I I took this power. I am the most powerful sorcerer. Like, well, they're better than you. But my character concept is I'm the most powerful sorcerer. If you introduce someone else who's better than me at this thing, why would I keep playing my character? Uh, if I can insert a corollary to that as well the mechanics in the game are also a contract because they are the means by which we all agree this is how the world of the game can be affected and manipulated. And in the player's case, they have what's on their sheet in order to be able to do that. In the storyteller's case, if you start breaking rules and how the mechanics work in order to to fiat things for narrative you're gonna lose interest and attention because now you're changing how the world works in ways the players can't access they're they're being written out of or their agency is being written out of the story uh and you, you have to keep that in mind as well. And house ruling is fine. And even coming up to a point of like, hey, I know you you built this way, you took this power, but in retrospect, that that's broken or doesn't work right, or it's 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 going to be a problem. I, I want to work with you to to like change it or or do something else because I think it's going to make the game less fun for everyone. Yeah, and the rule of cool is as well where there's there's room to thread that needle too so to, to, to work in a specific example from one of our games we knew in our hunter game everyone was going to start as a regular person and eventually they were all going to get a template and become a mage or a werewolf or a changeling whatever ryan knew from the very beginning that he wanted to do a werewolf 
And so he wanted to take the supernatural merit from the very beginning, wolf-blooded. And I was like, great. And he was like, well, can I take these wolf-blooded merits? And I'm like, some of them, yes. Some of them, no, because some of them change the game too much for the other players, right? And so we had that conversation, and Ryan got to have his fantasy of being the I'm the character who's one day going to become a werewolf. And I got to weave it in the story and have, like, we know he's not entirely human, but don't know what's up, right? Like, we got to have the best parts of everything without ruining other people's game by just having a conversation and saying, okay, these three wolf blood merits are okay. These two break what we're doing, right? Yeah. And we also talked about, you know, when it would be appropriate for, for my character to get his template. Um, because with the way the mechanics work, uh, most of the werewolf oomph is up front. It's, I turn into a werewolf. And a lot of it is front-loaded right there. So I really couldn't be the first. I had to be the last, because if, if I got my template first, like, well, our tactic for dealing with things has changed. It's now, we send the werewolf in, and we wait a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, our tactic for dealing with all problems becomes everyone else eats a hot dog and the werewolf deals with the problem. Yeah, we'll meet him outside later with like a blanket and some Gatorade. Our entire episode can be summarized with talk to each other and find the fun. Right? Like these are the two messages. And I think that it was worth listening to the whole hour of our podcast as we talk about specifically how to do that. But in the end, if you openly communicate with each other and find the fun, you're going to be all right. You're going to have a good time. So this is like one of those very long, complex mathematical proofs that the end, like, and in conclusion, two plus three is five. That's exactly what this is. But sometimes you got to know why two plus three is five. You got to document it. You got to document it, man. And this is all true because we spent an hour talking about it. That's how the internet works, right? I'm pretty sure that's how the internet works. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how the internet works. No, 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 no. One of us needs to do a video face towards the camera in a truck. Talking (laughs) about it for another hour. Nothing, nothing happening. Just no. You gotta have your rea- yeah. your hour long reaction shot, or it doesn't count. That's what the internet. Oh, means. So true. next episode will be our review of this it will episode be shot of the podcast. Each of us individually in our own truck <laughs> and stitched together after the fact. Oh, we'll each have twenty minutes of monologue, and there will be <laughs> no interaction of any kind. Is it bad enough that I kind of want to do this? Um. Yes, that's bad. Don't do this. Well, I'm Ryan, the Hungry Repulse guy. I'm Helen, the amorphous storyteller. I'm Ben, the cat-powered player. I'm Jared, the shifty game master. Today, we have been the Starting Equipment Podcast. Now I'd like to welcome you all to my reaction video for the (laughs) start. No, we're not doing that. Okay. Thank you guys for joining us, and join us next time as we talk about how to manage all of the information that comes up in a role-playing game.